Well, I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning and find John's Gospel. Thank you, Miss Sarah and Ethan, Jen and Evan and Brianna for all playing this morning. Appreciate that. John's Gospel, chapter number 12, find that place. Actually, 11 and 12 is where we're going to be. I want to look at some things this morning. Uh, we did have an answer to prayer. Uh, we were praying for Jen for housing and her situation. She was having to leave, and, and uh, that all worked out that uh, she's staying where she was living already. doesn't have to go, and uh, we thank the Lord for that. I know she's happy about that. And is Brianna next door? Is she go down? She's downstairs. Brianna, I didn't talk to her about it, but she said her phone was stolen. And, uh, and so uh, do you know anything about her phone being stolen, Miss Jen? Did she get it back? Did she get a new one yet or anything? So uh, always just bad people in the world wanting to do bad things. So that's never good. All right, we're in John chapter number 12, and uh, we're... And 11, actually 11. We have been looking at the sevens that are found in John's gospel. Now these sevens that we looked at, the seven miracles, the seven I am's, we looked at the seven witnesses, we looked at the seven conversations that Jesus Christ has had with seven different women in scripture in John chapter. And now we're looking at the seven men that we find in John's gospel. Now there's seven disciples mentioned by name, but we're looking at the seven men that are mentioned in this portion of scripture. I'm trying to find my place on my iPad. This stupid thing did an, a, an upload when I didn't want it to do an upload, and I'll get there eventually. So if you see me up here scrolling, it's not because I'm having a seizure or anything. I'm just trying to get my iPad to where it needs to be. I hate technology. I really do. Give me a piece of paper any day, and, uh, and we'll go with that. But uh, we're all, it does save paper, it does save ink. So anyhow, we're in John chapter number 11. I got a lot of notes here, don't I? A lot of sermons in this, this this series of messages. All right. Finally, praise the Lord. In chapter number eleven, we want to read a few verses, then we'll make our prayer to the Lord. In chapter number eleven, verse number one. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which uh, uh, anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his uh, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for all that's been done today, the Sunday school hour, the van picking up people, the... Uh, folks working hard to make everything happen from the singing, the uh, teachings, the uh, cleaning and preparing. And there's just so many people. Thank you for them and their faithfulness. Bless the efforts and bless now what we're doing in this time. All the classes downstairs, the children next door. May Christ be honored and glorified. May we uh, learn about him today. May we fade to the background and that our Savior would be clearly seen. And Lord, if anybody doesn't know Christ today and Know for sure of heaven. Let this be the day that that issue gets settled. Encourage those who are discouraged. Help the brokenhearted. Help those who are struggling with fears and worries that they don't know how to handle, knowing that you're God. And, Lord, there is nothing too hard for you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now we have spent some time in this chapter, some time ago when we were looking at the seven conversations that our Lord had with the women we see in this book. And Mary and Martha, we spent a lot of time on them, going over the conversations he had with them. Now, when we talk about the seven men that are mentioned, I want us to be clear that it's not always a conversation. In fact, when it comes to Lazarus, you will not find Lazarus uttering one word in your Bible anywhere. Because predominantly, most of the time, he's dead. So it's hard to speak when you're dead. And so Lazarus, in chapter number 11, for the most part of the chapter, is dead. We see him alive and sick in the beginning, and then we see him being resurrected from the dead at the end of the chapter. But there's not a whole lot of conversation, but God does mention his name. And... uh, I want us to look at this this morning in a unique way. Now, you, we all hear people all the time tell us they're Christians. And people will say a lot of things. But my mom and maybe your mom always told you that your actions speak louder than words. And how you act and how you behave yourselves will tell people who you are and, and what you are. So what would it take to convince people that you are a Christian if you could not talk. Or suppose someone's watching your life and they never heard you speak, but just by observing you and just by watching your actions, would there be enough evidence to convince them that, you know, that person must be a Christian. That per- There's something different about that person and how they acted in a certain situation. And I want us to look at some principles that we find in the life of Lazarus. And so even though Lazarus doesn't speak, Lazarus lays out some principles that we can make to our life to to make us better Christians and so that we can uh, better serve our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about Lazarus, again, we, we think of a man who dies and is resurrected. We think about his two sisters and their great love for him and their great service to Jesus Christ. We've seen a lot about them and how devoted they were to the cause of Christ. We, we know a lot about them, but we know really it seems very little about the man until we begin to really pray and look and study. But there are some things that when we see them, they'll stick out to us. And these principles, and I only want to give you four principles this morning in the time that we have. So what, who is Lazarus? Well, I want you to know, first of all, what the Bible says about him in, in, in Scripture here. It says in verse number 3, Therefore his sister said unto him, saying, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. And then it tells us in verse number uh, Five of this chapter. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So in these verses, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ loved this family. And what's obvious in this text is that Lazarus was a man who loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our first principle: is that Lazarus had the had the it was known that Lazarus was a man who loved the Lord. Now, we can all say we, we love Jesus, and we all know people who say they love Jesus, but sometimes there's very little evidence in their life that they love the Lord. If a man loves his wife, he will care for his wife. He'll take care of his wife. He will treat his wife properly. And just in case, a, man will, a woman will, who says she loves her husband will care for him, and her love will be demonstrated in their actions. Again, actions speak louder. And, and, and Lazarus was a man who was known for loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how can, we, 
How is our love made known? How can we manifest our love without saying that, without expressing it in words? Well, if we look at John chapter number 14, the Lord Jesus Christ utters a very familiar phrase. And I want us to be clear, we are not reinventing the wheel this morning. I'm not giving you some new revelation and some new thoughts, but I am giving you some old revelations and some old verses and letting you know that these things are not done away with. Truth is truth, and we don't eliminate truth just because it's an old truth. Old truth is still truth, and it still is to be applied to our life. We don't forsake them. The Lord Jesus Christ is in the upper room. He's meeting with his disciples. He's going to be arrested in a few hours, put on trial, and then crucified, uh, all within a 24-hour time period. And he's speaking here to his disciples, and, and he makes this very familiar and very famous statement in chapter number 14 and verse number 15, where he says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, you keep my commandments. If we love the Lord Jesus Christ, the way we demonstrate that love is by obedience to what he's told us to do. There is no, no substitute for obedience. People talk about how they worship God, and I meet people all the time, and they tell me how much they worship God and, and what they do at their church to worship God. And I, and I, and I hate to be a, a Debbie Downer in their life, but I do like to point out that what you're saying is not possible. You can't worship God fully while you are living in sin. This is what you're doing in your life, and this is what God says is wrong, and so you can't really fully worship God because worship, my friend, swings on the hinges of obedience. When we love God, we worship God because we're obeying what he says. A man can't say he loves his wife and go home to her every night and say he loves her. And while in the meantime, while during the day, he's being unfaithful to her. That's not true love. He's not being obedient to his marriage vow, which he made a promise to keep himself only unto her so long as he may live. We love Christ. We'll be obedient to Christ and do what Christ tells us to do. And Jesus says that his commandments are not what? Grievous. They're not grievous. These are not difficult, he says. These are not hard to do. Sin is difficult. Sin has a terrible price tag. And sin brings terrible consequences. But obedience to Christ does not. It's just our sinful nature makes it seem that way. But Lazarus was a man who loved the Lord. And it was evident that he loved the Lord. Why? Because of his obedience to Jesus Christ. When Christ came into town, they invited Christ into their home. They took care of him. And, 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 and he, we find him in other places doing things. We'll see in, in just a few minutes his obedience. And so again, how can we let people know that we are a Christian without saying anything? Well, again, by our obedience, by what we do and how we act and how we treat others. Also, if we back up to chapter number 13, our Lord says something else about uh, our love and, and how we demonstrate our love. He says in chapter number 13... Uh, and verse number 34, again, familiar verses. A new commandment that I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now again, we don't have to say anything, but how we treat one another, Christians, how we treat each other in this church, and how we care for each other when we go out into the world, is demonstrated. We, we express that 
by our love for each other. How's so-and-so? Are they okay? Are they in the hospital? Are they sick? Are they, this is wrong. Well, what can we do to help them? We express our love to the brethren, and we must love the brethren because, again, that's how we show people we love Christ because we love the brethren. We say we love God, but I'll be honest with you, my friend, I've never seen him. I've never laid eyes on him. I believe that he is. I know that he is. I know God exists, but I've never laid eyes on God. And it says in the scripture, how can you say you love God whom ye have not seen, and, 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 and then you hate your brother who you have seen? If I love God whom I haven't seen, I'm to demonstrate then, then and love people as Christ loved people. Again, I realize there are people that are very difficult to love. There are difficult people in this world. You may know one of them. You may be one of them. <laughs> All right, That's how it rolls. But there are difficult people in this world. I remember working in a house and this lady was just, she was just mean. She treated the kids mean. She treated her husband mean. She treated the dog mean. She was just mean. And I remember sitting there working. I'm like, man alive, this woman's awful. This is a horrible human being. And I'm thinking, I have trouble liking this woman. I have, this is just, none of you ever have that issue. But every now and then you're like, you get that look on your face. And that's my problem. Don't pray for me. I have a problem. Whatever I'm thinking shows up on my face. My wife corrects me all the time because I'll be like, what in the world? And she'll like, knock it off. Or sometimes like, she might stop it. I'll be like, what is that? <laughs> so I have a problem with that. So I'm in the house and I'm like, I was like, I don't like this woman. And then the Holy Spirit whispered, well, I love her, Matt. Like, <laughs> Lord, you got to help me to love her because it's just, my flesh ain't going to do it. It's just, you have to help me with this one. And then when we see people as Christ sees people, then our aspect changed. Our Lord looked upon Jerusalem. And when our Lord looked upon Jerusalem, what was his reaction? He wept because he saw them as what? Sheep having no shepherd and they rejecting him and how he would have gathered them unto him, but they would not. He wept over them. Our Lord cared for people. Father, forgive them for they know not what... All through his life, and, he, and the most hardest of sinners and the most difficult of sinners... He meets even his disciples. When we look at his disciples some time ago, we saw those guys and how difficult they were to like. But our Lord loved them and put his hand upon them and used them. So again, love is demonstrated by, uh, and our actions is demonstrated by we love the brethren. Somebody in church may be difficult to get along with, but my friend, pray and asking God, now Lord, you love them. Help me to have a, a, an affection and love for them that I can be a better brother and sister in Christ. Look for John, Luke chapter number 6. Keep your finger here in John, but look at Luke chapter number 6. Luke chapter number 6. In Luke's gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ takes it a step further. Now again, it's, it's easy to love another Christian. Well, they're a brother in Christ. I'm going to love them. And, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And Jesus said I'm supposed to love them. But let's take it a, 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 up a notch. And we... He says in Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 32, For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? Sinners also love those that love them. 
Now, my friend, is that a truth or what? It's easy to love nice people. It's easy to do that. Oh, they're such a nice person. I really like them. I didn't like that guy, Pastor. Why? He didn't seem too friendly. He didn't talk a lot. Oh, that's just his personality. You know, everybody's different. And well, I didn't care for him. <laughs> he says in verse number 33, And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. Again, we can all get along with a good neighbor. The guy who comes over, cuts our grass, and shovels our snow in the winter. But then the guy who shovels his snow onto our property... I got a neighbor, she picks her weeds and she throws them on my lawn. I, I can't figure that out. But I don't go flipping out on her. I don't go flinging them back on her property. It's like, well, you know, whatever. You know, it's, she picks the weeds out of her garden, all looks nice, and she throws them on my front lawn. I'm out there one day, it's like, what in the <laughs> Who does this? Well, my neighbor does that. And so, so I'm not flipping out on her. It's just, I think she thinks I'm, I'm going to cut the grass so that I'll take care of the weeds is her, is her mentality. So, but anyhow... We had, I should even tell this story. We had a crazy lady down the corner from us when we were kids. And our neighbor's dog went down the street and left a deposit on their property. She actually scooped it up, came back, put it, and, and placed it on their front porch. It's like, who, who does that? Kind of? So there's people out there like that. So you come out, and, and there on your front porch, your, your neighbor around the corner left you a gift that your dog left for them, and she threw it on your front porch. Now, that's not a, a church story, but it happened nonetheless. I'm portraying a point here. Some of you are like, it's just there's people out there like that. And you know them. You know them. But what do you do with them? What, is, what are we supposed to do with them? I would have picked that up, and I would have, well, what does Jesus say? He says in verse 34, And if ye lend to them whom ye hope to receive, what thank ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies... Do good to them, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. I want you to know something, that God sends rain, and that rain comes on my garden, and it lands on the horrible neighbor's garden. Not that, I'm not talking about my neighbor, but just neighbor in general. My next-door neighbor is a nice lady. She's very kind. We get along very well, except when she throws her weeds on my property. Which, um. But God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Get the picture. God does just not give good, rain just good people. He gives rain to everybody. God gives air <laughs> to everybody. You ever, you ever not been able to breathe? I fell out of a tree when I was a kid. I still got a scar on my back where I got the wind knocked out of me. You haven't lived till you had the wind knocked out of you. And that, you just can't breathe. You want to breathe, but you, your, your lungs just like time out. And they, they shut down for a minute while they're like figuring out what happened to them. I remember getting up, running across the, the church grounds, and, and finally my lungs worked and I can get breath in them. I went home, I'm sweating and white. My mom goes, what in the world happened? Or whiter, I should say. My mom, what happened to you? Nothing. I didn't want to tell her I fell out of a tree because I'm not supposed to be in a tree in the first place. But God gives air to everybody. He doesn't, you know, I don't like that guy. He's mean. Let me not give him air. Let me not give him rain. Let me not give him water to drink. God takes care of everybody. And if God takes care of all these evil people, he's saying, now, shouldn't you kind of be doing the same thing? That, my friend, is love in action, love for others. So when we think about Lazarus and his great love, he was known for loving Jesus Christ. And again, love is, for Christ is demonstrated in our obedience, 
in our love for the brethren and our love for others. If we can go back to John chapter number 11, I want to bring a second point here this morning on how Lazarus and looking at his life and what we can learn from it. We don't like this point. None of us like this point, but it's here nonetheless. The Bible makes it very plain and clear. When we think of Lazarus, what do we think of it? We think of a man who got, who got sick and what? Died. None of us like to get sick. If a lot of people, the minute they come down with something, they're already figuring out their funeral. They got it all, you know, we go on WebMD and like, that's, that's what I got. I got the worst disease on planet Earth. I'm going to die. This is it. And, and death is coming for me. I got this rare illness and we've diagnosed ourselves and we're, we're, we're going out when all we got really is a hangnail. Uh, but we've, we've, we've brainwashed ourselves into thinking we got, this is it. But sometimes people do get sick. And their sickness leads to their death. Lazarus, a man who got sick, and he lingered for a few days in his illness before he died. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was told about his illness, and the Lord Jesus Christ purposely did not go back there. And the Lord Jesus Christ purposely let Lazarus die, and he let him get buried, and he let him stay in the grave for those days, and, and for his body to decompose is all part of God's plan. But I want us to know that it says in these verses, simple verse, nothing new here, at the end of verse number two, whose brother Lazarus was sick. My point this morning is, a very quick point, is that Lazarus is a man who's, who suffered in this life. Nobody is exempt from suffering. We think because we got saved and we're on our way to heaven, we're born again by the Spirit of God, that somehow we are exempt from everything and anything. Well, that's not the case. Our bodies suffer illnesses. Our bodies suffer the problems of it. And we, as we grow older, uh, you know, it's funny now getting older. I understand my parents a whole lot more as they sat around the table talking about arthritis and bursitis and all kinds of other things. I understand that now. I understand, by the way, going home as a teenager, walking in the living room and finding my father asleep in the chair. Dad, it's 6 o'clock. What are you doing passed out? Now, my son comes in the room and I'm and the remote control and I you feel that presence they're trying to steal the remote not dad you, you okay dad you tired dad you, can I do anything for you do you need anything dad not dad give me the take it off his dead chest and, and grab the remote so we can put the put the met game on that's that's how, that's how my kids roll in my house but I understand all these things now. I understand my, my father complaining about his fingers hurting and arthritis. I like I grab the steering wheel and I'm like, ow. <laughs> trying to get these things to move again. It's like, what in the world? This shouldn't be happening. This happens to 90-year-olds. It doesn't happen to a 59-year-old. There's something wrong. We all suffer. We all got problems. And Lazarus, a man, when we see his life, that he suffered with sickness. And we see in verse number 14, it says, and this, Jesus said to him, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Again, I'm not going to labor this point, but my friend, everybody has this appointment. Everybody has this appointment. And we all get shocked when the appointment shows up because we think the appointment is always further on down the road. We never want the appointment to be today. I can't wait to meet Jesus. Well, you're going to die later on. Well, no, no, I'm not. Well, how do you think you're going to see him? <laughs> I want to go home with the rapture. You and two zillion other people in the past 2,000 years. But the only way you're going to see him is for for death to come and take you out of here. We don't like that, but that, my friend, is the reality of this world. 
Lazarus died. So we know, again, Lazarus, his principle, he was known for loving Jesus Christ. And again, he was a man who suffered in this life. We go to chapter number 12, Lazarus is risen from the dead. And, and uh, something else we see here in this story. Again, I must be quick in these things. And it says in chapter number 12, in verse number 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There made him a supper, and Martha served. And, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spikenard very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Can you imagine... You, you've been raised from the dead. In today's world, if they knew you were dead and you, they buried you and, then, and, and you came out of the grave, you would have a book, you would have a TV deal, you would have a movie deal, you would be on every TV show, you would be a celebrity and of great status in our world today. Well, what was it like to be dead? Uh, what was it like to be in that grave? And tell us more about this story and you'd be a celebrity. That's how this world rolls today. But here we find Lazarus sitting in his house with his sisters and the Lord Jesus Christ comes to their home and there they are having a Bible study and they are having supper and we find there Mary anointing the Lord Jesus Christ's feet with her hair. What's your point? Well, here we have an excellent picture, a wonderful illustration. Lazarus who's dead and now alive, sitting and learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, before you got saved, before you came to faith in Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and you were dead to God. When you were born again by the Spirit of God, you were given new life in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. You're born again by the Spirit of God. You have been regenerated. And now that you're alive, where should you be? But my friend, you should be there uh, learning about the Lord Jesus Christ because that's your nature. Lazarus is a picture of the sinner. He's dead. He's risen a new life. And we find him here with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not out on the celebrity trail. He's not trying to make a name for himself. But we find him there. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. What a wonderful picture. And every Christian who's been saved by the grace of God should have a desire and a love for the things of Almighty God. You ever go to an ice cream stand in the summertime? The lines are usually long. The girl told me at Dairy Queen years ago, she goes, I said, there's nobody here. She goes, well, it's 7 o'clock. I go, what does that mean? She goes, 8 o'clock is the ice cream hour. I go, you're kidding me. She goes, nope. You come here at 8 o'clock, the line will be down the block. And I came back a few weeks later, and sure enough, 8 o'clock, the line was down the block. Every American has had their supper. They're sitting at home, and you know what? I could go for some ice cream right about now. The 8 o'clock ice cream hour, it's the American way. And off they go down to Dairy Queen to get, when you think about it, it's the biggest ripoff on planet Earth. You pay $5 for two ounces of ice cream when you go down to the store, and for three bucks you can get a whole gallon of ice cream, but we don't do the math, and, we just, and there we go. Why are they at the ice cream? Well, my friend, it's just part of their nature to go down there to the ice cream stand <laughs> and, and, and to do these things. When you get saved by the grace of God, you have a desire to be around the things of God because you've got a Christ-like nature that wants the things of God. 
That is the evidence of your salvation. That is the demonstration. That is you without telling anybody, hey, I'm a Christian because you're going to church. I had somebody tell me one time, you look awfully familiar. I'm like, oh, I don't know. She goes, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, I don't know. I said, well, I went to Carney High School. No, I didn't go to Carney High. I said, well, I was a plumber in town. No, I, my, my, my husband does the plumbing. I said, uh, I don't know. She goes, well, your face looks familiar. I said, well, I've had it a very long time, so I really don't know what to tell you. And she goes, I know you now. I'm like, oh, no. Where she know me from? You, you, you're, you're always by that church. I said, which church? Testing her out to see them. That church on the corner, that's me. I'm always by that church. That's me. I don't tell nobody, but uh, Nathan thinks I live here. When he leaves on Sunday night and Wednesday, Pastor, we're going to leave so you can go to bed now. And I say, thank you, because his parents told him, we got the stove downstairs, there's bathrooms, and this is, uh, this is the bathtub, and, something, and, I, and I roll my bed out of that staircase. This, so, so I have kids who think I live here, <laughs> and some people actually think I do, because I'm just here all the time, or running around the place doing this. Why? Well, my, why? Because I got a new nature in Christ, wants to be around the things of God. We also see something else here in this story about this family and the brother and sister and what they're doing here. We notice that what Martha was doing, Martha served. Martha made supper. Not everybody's a servant. Not everybody has the ability to serve. Not the Bible calls this the gift of helps. The gift of helps and, and the gift to, 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 uh, of, 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 of charity like this where you just do these things. It's not, some people are just not good at it and some people just, it just comes out of them. Oh, you're here? Let me make a meal. And the 10 minutes later, there's like this 10-course meal. And, then, oh, and you're like, what in the world? You come to my house. I'm like, well, I think I got some tuna fish. And I'm not chopping up no onions. We'll just throw some mayonnaise in that thing, and, and we're calling it a day. I got a frozen hamburger in the freezer. We can throw that on the grill. And we ain't got no buns because they went bad. So, so you just, we'll put that on. A, you know, so, you know, there you go. That's, that's me. But some people just, oh, and, and, and there you go. And there are several people in our church who have that wonderful ability. You go to their house, and we ain't got nothing here. Next thing you know, it's like, we're not having anything here. This is sure, I'm walking out of here 10 pounds heavier. I don't understand this one. But Martha, uh, we see here, had that ability. We see that her getting in trouble with her sister later on because she was always making sure that everybody was taken care of. That's her gift. That's her ability to do that, and she exercised that gift. What about Mary? What was Mary doing? Mary is there, and she's anointing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see Mary in the business of worship and adoration. This home, my friend, is a picture of, of, of what church should be. This home is a picture of what your home should be. This, church, this family is a picture of what uh, everybody should be. A family that loved Christ and put Christ first and, and served Christ and, and adored Christ and worshipped Christ because he is worthy of that worship. So we think of, of, of Lazarus. What, what do we think of? What's his third principle we see here? That the Lord Jesus Christ was welcome in the home, uh, in their home. They didn't have to hide things. They didn't have to put things away. They didn't have to get rid of any things that would be considered sinful and wrong and, and hide those things. They had a home where the Lord Jesus Christ was welcome. And let me give you the last thought this morning in chapter number 12 as we go on we see some things are happening it says in verse number nine much people of the jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for jesus sake only but that they might see lazarus also whom he raised from the dead by the way he did have a celebrity status let's go look at the guy who was dead we all got a little sicky in us amen and they want to see him when i was a kid there was a lady who 
committed suicide. She was an older lady. She committed suicide on Ivy Street. And she hung herself, sadly. And as kids, when the house was empty, it was our goal to get into the house to go to the attic and see where she hung herself. We had issues. And every kid in the neighborhood wanted to get into that house to see where that old lady uh, had sadly taken her life. They all want to see Lazarus. Let's go see the guy who was dead. But he hangs around Jesus. He's not making much on his celebrity status. But verse 10, notice this. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus Christ. Lazarus is part, in the part of the plan to be killed. We have to kill Lazarus because Lazarus loves Jesus. And because Lazarus loved Jesus, and because of what Jesus did in his life, many people are believing upon Jesus. And so therefore, we have to kill Lazarus. You say, what's your fourth thing about Lazarus that we learned here? His love for Christ caused others to hate him. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean everybody's going to love you because you love Jesus. And why did they hate Lazarus? Because people were coming to faith. People were believing on Christ. People were getting saved because of what happened in Lazarus' life. Listen, when God changes your life, when God transforms your life, and you become a new person, and you don't do the things you used to do anymore, and you don't go to the place you used to go anymore, and you don't say the things you used to say anymore, and you don't date the things you used to date before, when God changes your life, people will pick up and take notice. And they may say, what happened to you? And you can say, well, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. When Saul of Tarsus got saved on the road to Damascus and he becomes the Apostle Paul and people are asking him and he's bringing people to faith, they say, well, how did this happen? Can I tell you what happened to me on the road to Damascus and how Jesus saved my soul and what he did for me? There was a, and by the way, we see with the Apostle Paul, did everybody love Paul because he became a great Christian? No, they tried to kill him in every city he went. Understand that when you truly love Christ and you have a great love for Christ and your love is demonstrated, not everybody's going to like you. They may try to get you fired from your job and lie about you. They'll try to make sure you don't get promoted and other things will happen to you. Simply, your only crime is, is that you love Jesus Christ. That's enough for people to hate you. Why do men hate Christ? Why do people not want you? And by the way, most people are fine with a generic Jesus. They're mo- but until you start talking about Jesus, and talking about the things that Jesus talked about, then it starts to get dicey with some people. Then they got problems, and then they don't want to believe that. When Jesus says that he's the only way to heaven, you mean to tell me that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not, nobody's going to heaven. That's exactly what I mean. Where'd you get that from? I got it from Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told me that. Already say that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says he's the door, and he's the only door. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Well, I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry. Jesus says otherwise. So you have to take it up with him. Well, you know, Pastor, there's many roads to heaven, and we're all on different roads, but they all lead to heaven. No. Jesus said there's only two roads. One is narrow and it leads to heaven and there's a broad road that leads to hell. So there's only two roads, one to heaven and one to hell. There's not many. 
and that, and they're all not leading. There's the Buddhist way and the Confucius way and the atheist way and the and this way. No, there's one way, and it's the born again by Jesus Christ way. People hate that, and they'll they'll despise you. People hate Jesus was a holy man, and they hated his holiness because he never sinned, and they made sin up about him. They lied about him, and so therefore they despised the Lord Jesus Christ and hated him. And when you love Jesus Christ. In the Bible way, and according to the Bible, there are going to be people who are not going to like you. Oh, he's one of them holy rollers. He's one of those guys. He thinks he's better than everybody else. And you don't, but you just live by Bible standards and follow Bible principles. And people say, you know what? I don't. And you don't do the things they do, and you don't act the way they act, and you stop doing certain things, and, and you've cleaned up your life. Years ago, I had a guy scream at me because he was Polish. He didn't speak English, but he spoke Polish. And he found out I was Polish. Oh, Shinkowski, yeah, Shinkowski. Ah, and the next thing you know, he's breaking out the Polish vodka, and he, he wants to have a, a, a polka festival there in his apartment down in Harrison. I'm like, no, no, no vodka, no, 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 Stosh. Stop with the vodka. I don't, I no, no drinky, no drinkski, no, 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 no alcoholski. Uh, no, no, don't want it. And uh, I don't speak Polish, but he was going to town on it. And, and, uh, and again, the only few Polish words my dad taught me I, I can't use anymore because they'll get me punched in the face. And so I don't speak it much, but you know, Dubja and Yakshamash and, and, and Goopy Baba and a few things like that. And I don't even use Goopy Baba because you get in trouble with that one, which simply means crazy lady. And uh, so how do you know that one? Because that's my father always yelled at my mother. And so uh, some of these things, <laughs> and Tarinka, which means the hand. So my father would go, Tarinka, Tarinka. My mother would go, Pfft. And walk away. <laughs> They're all joking, but you know, I didn't listen to the hand. The hand is talking here. And my mother's, I'll give you the hand, all right. I'll give you Tarinka. And so, and a few other words. But anyway, so Stash wanted me to drink. Stash got violently mad when he found out another Polish guy wouldn't drink. I said, Stash, I don't drink. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't drink. Why don't you drink, Matt? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't drink. I don't believe it's, it's right. The Bible teaches that. I don't drink. He said, I'm carrying it too far. No, can't go too far with Jesus. Holiness bothers people. Being, uh, uh, being good and being righteous and doing what God wants you and being a witness bothers people. Isn't it amazing? If I knocked on your door and said, Hi, I'm from Publishers Clearinghouse, and I want to give you a chance. It's free. Nothing else. Here's a chance to sign up, and you could be the win a million dollars every every a month for life. And you're like, yeah, where do I sign up? And then, uh, I'm going to ring the next. Yeah, ring my neighbor's bell up there too. He, Johnny, come down here. Publishers Clearinghouse is down there. We're all going to we could win a million dollars. Yeah, and the whole neighbor comes out. But you know, I go to a house. I ring a doorbell, and hi, I'm Matt from Gospel Life Baptist Church, and we're inviting folks in the neighborhood to church, and I'd like to invite you to church and give them a gospel track. No, thank you. I already got a church. Okay, thank you. And I go to ring the second floor. Don't ring the second floor bell. They're not home. I've always known they're never home. The first floor will never let you ring the second floor. That's why I always wait for them to leave and disappear. And I pretend I'm leaving. Then I come back and then I ring the second floor bell. This way, don't go downstairs. It's, it's the church people. And, 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 and go upstairs. One lady, I go, I want to give you something. She goes, I, go, she goes, I don't want what you have. I go, well, you don't even know what I'm giving you. She goes, I, I don't want it anyway. I said, I could be giving you a million dollars. She goes, but you don't have a million dollars. I said, I got something better than a million dollars. She goes, what do you got? 
I said, I got eternal life through Jesus Christ. As <laughs> you slammed the door in my face. <laughs> By the way, eternal life with Jesus Christ is far better than the 900 million you could possibly win in that crazy Powerball that they're all going crazy over. Because that money, you're, you're going to die one day and you ain't taking it with you. You ain't taking and, and And your relatives are going to fight over it. And, and, and forget about you five minutes after you're gone. Remember, where there's a will, there's a relative. And so understand this. What we want is to please and glorify God. And when we try to tell other folks about Jesus Christ, and when we bring other folks to Jesus Christ, it may bother some people. And Lazarus' life bothered people that they wanted to kill him. Imagine you want to kill somebody simply because they're a Christian. That's, and that happens all around the world, by the way. Christians are being killed all around the world in certain many places, and their only crime is they love Jesus Christ. Brother Keston gave me a book about martyrs, and I read that book. I read a chapter every day in that book, and it's fascinating about these people and what they go through and how they've been killed and slaughtered uh, in, 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 in many places in the Middle East and Africa, and they, all they've done is believe upon Christ, and they've been killed for it in all kinds of unspeakable manners. So what do we learn from Lazarus? Well, again, the man never said a word. I can't find a word. Well, Lazarus was a man. He was known for loving Jesus. He was a man who, who did suffer in this life. He was a man whom the Lord was welcome in his home. And fourthly, his love for Christ caused others to hate him. That's a Bible truth. Now, my friend, we want to love Christ no matter what. Even if folks hate us, we still love Christ. There's one thing as a Christian, as a pastor, by the way, a pastor, I'm, I'm not... I make myself be anything, but sometimes you get slandered and lied about, and there's no way you can defend yourself. You just—it is what it is. The people say things about you on social media. I've been accused of everything under the sun, basically, by people—all lies. And what do you do? You, you just keep going forward because people just hate you for, for no reason whatsoever, except that you're a Christian. And people do the same thing to you. They'll lie about you. They'll slander you. They'll say things on the internet and do all kinds of manner and speak all manner of evil about you. What? Falsely. Because you're just a Christian. That's your only crime. If you were a drunkard or a whoremonger or all doing everything, they'd be fine. They'd be in love with you. But because you love Christ, well, now we got problems. The world loves its own. So let us be like Lazarus. Let's follow Lazarus' principles and, and do what Lazarus did in his life. Let's stand together for prayer. Well, Father, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ who loved us and died on Calvary's cross to pay for our sins. We thank you that through him, the world can have eternal life if they would only believe, if they'd only come to him and, and trust him. Thank you, Lord, for a man like Lazarus. Even when he suffered and went through all he did, he still was faithful to you, loved you, and served you. Now, Lord, bless this time, bless this hour, and may Christ be honored, Lord, honored and glorified. For in his name we pray.